Hi, I'm Colleen Nelson, licensed therapist, trauma expert, and fellow badass woman ready to rise up right alongside you. This podcast, Let the Rest Burn, is for the woman who has ignored, attacked, or even silenced her inner voice because she thought it was broken and needed to be fixed. It's for the woman who is ready to rise up and fully step into her desire, her joy, her full power, and make the impact she was destined to make. For the woman who cannot stand one more second waiting, watching, and witnessing the world crumble and is ready to rebuild and expand into a better future. For a woman who is so done trying to fix the world, she decided to start with healing herself and she let the rest burn. Hello and welcome back to Let the Rest Burn. I'm Colleen Nelson. And I'm here with Tyrin Mowbray. He is a men's sex and health mentor. He is specifically works with men around masculinity, relationships, and sexuality. And he is joining us today from Australia, a day ahead, actually. Yep. Welcome. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure, Colleen. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, before we started, I was talking to Tyron about how I found him. And I have been looking for men's coaches for a while. I work with I work with men as a therapist. And I, as a woman, I can do good work, but I can't do men's work with men. Men need to do work with men. I, mm. I firmly believe that that is a crucial piece of healing, just like I believe women need to do work with women. Um, however you identify, but I think finding you has been a gem. I've actually sent your profile to quite a lot of clients, by the way. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Just Thank so you I know. appreciate that. Thank you. So I, I have my guests on and we, st- we start off typically with the same question every time. And then we just, we see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. So my question is, there's this incredible quote from Glennon Doyle in Untamed, where she talks about kind of getting rid of all of the expectations that we are full of from the world. You know, as a child, you grow up and you're just, so many things are projected on you. You should do this. You should be this. And in order to become the fullest, fullest versions of ourselves, to be our absolute selves, we have to let a lot of shit burn. Mm -hmm. And so my question to you is to become who you are today, the full version of you, what have you had to let burn in the process? What comes to mind? Well, the first word is everything. Uh, <laughs> anyone, yeah, anyone that's gone on that journey or or, or even dipped their toe, um, I think you, re- yeah, you realize that your identity is the thing that creates all the pain in your life, right? Yeah, and it keeps you. It either well, like it's like who you think you are and who you think you are not. Both of those things, the things that keep you trapped. And so, you know, for me, I had created an alter ego. And his name was Moby. So as I would imagine, same over in America, when you play, you know, sports, everyone has a nickname, right? In Australia, it's the same thing. And our nicknames tend to be a little bit more abstract, I think. But mine was Moby. And um, I didn't like the name Tyron growing up because it was different. It was abstract. No one else had it. No one knew how to pronounce it. No one could remember it. And so when I got given the nickname Moby at football, um, that's Aussie rules football, the real football. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, I, I loved it. I, you know, I was, ch- I fucking, I was like, oh, thank God. Yes. I love this nickname. And so I kind of grabbed hold of it with both hands and I wouldn't let anyone call me tyrant. Like I even tried to convince my parents to call me Moby and they were like, they were pretty hard no to that. But everyone 
everyone. And Moby was celebrated for doing certain things. You know, when you start to play senior in the senior grade football and you're you're, you're a junior and you obviously look look up to your peers, you look up to the other men. You've seen these men for years. They're playing the, the top level football and you, you, you want to fit in as a young man, obviously. And so, you know, you would watch their behavior. You would see the ones that were celebrated the most, the best players, what they did, their attributes, their qualities, their actions. And you would mirror them. And so when I started to mirror them, I got celebrated. And so it was like, fuck, all right. Well, Moby gets celebrated when he does this. So I'm going to keep doing it because I want to feel loved and I want to feel accepted. And so Moby became an alter ego. And um, it it just, I didn't know it at the time. But now upon reflection, it was like, oh, I started to sacrifice and compromise many things in my life. Many, many attributes that I hold dear to me, I started to suppress and repress because they weren't celebrated as Moby uh, and as a, as a man coming into his into his adolescence and you know young young adulthood and what happened was ultimately that led to me acting and feeling and being a certain way all the time mm-hmm. uh until I was 27 when I had a breakdown and realized I hated the man that I had created for myself you know I was I was successful in many ways but at the same time I was very very unhappy you know, I remember sitting on the couch at 26. I had two houses, two dogs, two cars, a missus, you know, and sitting there, freshly renovated home, everything, twiddling my thumbs going, well, now what? Like, do I just buy another house? Do I just, just keep doing the same thing? Like, mm-hmm. what, what what's left? You know, like, don't get me wrong. Could have earned more money, could have had more stuff for sure. But I just remember being 25 going, I've accomplished everything that everyone told me I should do. Yes. Now what? And universe had bigger plans and I, you know, went through a lot of self-sabotaging, did a lot of dumb shit and my missus left me. I lost a house and I went into a deep depression and ended up having a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And that led to the journey of like, okay, well, if you're unhappy, you need to change something. But I couldn't change in the environment I was in. I knew that, you know, like I knew that well enough. I used to take a lot of drugs, I used to drink a lot. I, you know, after I broke up with my missus, I was on Tinder and Hinge and, you know, all the dating apps and um, very debaucherous kind of young young man and it got to the point where you know and I was jerking off on porn a lot Mm. and it got to the point where I couldn't get an erection without pornography or a woman and I was like fuck I'm 27 there's something wrong like this (laughs) this should not be normal um and so then that led to a lot of like okay well I need to change everything so I bought one way ticket to Europe and I went traveling and I I did everything that scared the shit out of me. I walked across five countries. I lived in my tent for three months. I studied in Buddhist monasteries. I lived in Iceland in the middle of winter where there's three hours of daylight. I became vegetarian. I started yo- studied yoga. I just I went all in for a couple of years on trying to break down the identity that I created and go, what if I don't listen to what everyone's told me? Like, what if I try this? What if I try that? What happens? And it's scary. It's so fucking scary. Like I, I broke down so many times, like just, I, you know, cause I didn't know all of a sudden I, I didn't know who I was. So what had to burn everything, you know, my identity around what masculinity meant, my identity around being a bricklayer, my identity around not being a, a you know, soft, caring, emotional man, my identity around being a hard ass, my identity around like all the things, all my identities had to break. And then, but then the superpower came because I got to recreate my identity. Like all of a sudden I had no limitations. And so from not having any limitations, infinite possibility was there. Mm-hmm. And that's also a scary place because then you're like, well, now what? If there's actually no limits, now what do I do? And that's oh. a scary place as well. Oh, you're speaking to so many incredible themes here. And 
I appreciate your vulnerability because I think it's so important for those that are in this process right now to understand that it's absolutely fucking scary. That mm. not, those of us who have been through it, those of us who are in it, um, those of us who are still navigating it are scared shitless of the unknown. And this is why we seek the known. This is why we seek control. We seek mm. seek to look to others because fear is such a motivating emotion in so many ways. I think you're, you might've been the one that said a man's desire needs to be stronger than his fear. I think you did some. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I've said that to so many people, um, women <laughs> in particular, but, but what's important in the way I heard that was in terms of women creating desirability and not giving it away so quickly. But what I think is important to recognize is fear is such a, it's such a primal thing in our body and, and higher consciousness is about surrender and, and surrender comes with all of the human emotions with it. And yeah, well, fear is a safety mechanism, right? Like we have it so that we can provide safety for ourselves so that we can prolong our lives and prolong the lives of our loved ones. Like it's not a negative thing, nope. but it's how you deal with the fear. It's how you associate with the fear. I think you and I are the same age. So even though we grew up in different countries, we grew up with, I think, in a similar culture in the sense of looking external for everything, Mm -hmm. right? Looking external for the answer, looking external for joy, for happiness, for belonging. There, There, For me, I'll speak to my experience, but there wasn't a lot of turning inward. There wasn't anything that told me as a child in anything I watched or the people around me that said, hey, in order for you to actually find what you want, who you are, you look inside of yourself. I was told consistently to look outside of myself for this. And this is where those emotions become scary or those emotions become overwhelming. When in reality, like you just said, it's actually about how you handle each experience of of the human emotions and the message that it's really bringing you. Cause that's all it is. You know, your body's just giving you a message um, and you get to decide what you do with it or not. Yeah. What do they say? Emotion, energy, emotion. So it's like, if you're paying attention to the energy emotion and what it's telling you, then you can navigate like the, the, the experience of the story. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, this, the, the whole, the, the, the conversation around external validation, internal validation or internal, you know, nourishment. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to write off external validation because it's like, you know, there's a certain level of it. There's, there's healthy shame to some extent, you know, it's like when we do something wrong and someone tells you off, it's important to know that that's not appropriate for, for you, for me, for us in our engagement or interaction, whatever that may be, you know? And so like, it's not that, that, you know, I hear some people like, just don't give a fuck what other people think. And I'm like, well, on some level, that's really true. And on other levels, like, I really do give a fuck what other people think about me. And I and I want them to give a fuck about me. And I want them to love me and like me and think that I'm a nice person. So, you know, there's a dance there. There's yes. a dance between, and I don't believe in balance. Like, but for me, balance doesn't exist. It's a constant ebb and flow. It's a constant dance between, you know, extremism and, you know, non-duality or something like whatever you want to call it. It's like, there's a, there's a constant dance and balance between left and right, up and down, hot and cold in and out. We have duality to experience the reality we live in. So, you know, yes, I want external validation because it does show that the world is being positively impacted by what I am doing, saying, thinking, feeling, and acting. Mm -hmm. That being said, you do need to listen to the internal voice and you will have moments when, 
the world doesn't mirror back positive reflection and that's your opportunity. That's for me when I go within. That's when I go, okay, self-reflection, where am I? Am I integrity? Am I in integrity? Am I listening to all the things that feel good? And, you know, am I acting from a place of love, not from a place of fear? And if those things are true, then I will be like, okay, now fuck what everyone's saying. I stay committed to the course. Yes. But if you just hold that constantly, that's narcissism. And like, that's where, like, that's, that's why pain, that's why people get fucked up in the world because it's like, no, I just do what I want and fuck the world and they will acclimatize to me. And it's like, well, yeah, as long as you're listening to something that is coming from love and not coming from just fuck the world, I'm in pain and I don't give a fuck if I hurt other people. That's not healthy or good. Yes. Yes. I love that reflection. And I do believe external validation is an important informer of our reality, right? It's, it's, mm. it's a crucial piece of how we understand our impact on the world. Internal, internal motivation for me, especially as a therapist, it's these core feelings of worthiness, mm. these core feelings of lovability. You have to belong to yourself first. You have to fall in love with yourself. You have to hold your own integrity with yourself before you're going to have that world reflect back to you what you're looking for. Otherwise, we create this self-fulfilling prophecy. If I'm, I, I, we're going to dive into dating here in a second because I think I love, I love a story you just posted. I want to talk about this integrity piece here. But on my journey of this external versus internal ebb and flow, for a long time, I was consistently and constantly attracting unavailable men. Just, I mean, it was mind-blowing to me how it would show up. And it was because I was so incredibly unavailable to myself. Mm. Like there was just absolutely no room for me to have a relationship with myself. So, you know, the universe gave me what I was asking for. And that was a really good message from the external world for me to do that internal work mm. and, and to check myself. And mm. hence, hence the journey I'm on, I'm on today. And, and when I think that I love you are are doing this work for men and women because I think you're speaking to men, but a lot of women are listening too. But this this new paradigm, this this conscious relationship work, this conscious relationship work with yourself, but also in partnership. And I for I want to know like how did you get into this piece of your work? What what pivoted you towards who you are today? Being being a, you know, men's sex coach, relationship, masculinity. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I, you know, I was 27 working out in the mines, jerking off to porn four times a day, having sex with women as, you know, almost daily when I was not working out in the mines. And everything that I did was driven by my need for sex. And once I understood that my need for sex was my desire for love and to be loved, that was like a pivotal point. And Mm -hmm. I also knew that, you know, like I was having sex with these women, but I wasn't experiencing pleasure and I wasn't being like all cuddly and soft and gentle afterwards. It was just like once I was, and you know, sometimes I wouldn't even finish because I was like, I wasn't attracted to these women. I purely like they want, they wanted to have sex. Therefore I wanted to have sex and I would, you know, wouldn't even finish. And I would be like, I don't want to be here, you know? And it's like, that's a, that's disgusting. Like it's disgusting for me. That's disgusting for them. It's disgusting for like moving forward in the world. And it's really sad, you know, it's sad that I was so insecure in myself that I needed someone else's body with mine in order for me to feel validated, which I think is what drives a lot of people to sex these days, especially casual sex, especially the how quickly we have it. 
Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm pro-sex. You want to go and fuck 15 people in a day? Go for it. <laughs> Just make sure it's coming from that internal place of like, this is a desire that I want to have to experience myself and overcome my own shame and judgments around being a slut, whether you're male or female or whatever, or that it's not okay or that whatever. Not, I feel empty and I need to have sex with 15 people to fill up my cup. Okay. They're two different experiences. Yes. And so, you know, being 27, not being able to get an erection without porn, I was like, all right, there's something wrong here, you know? And every time I go out, all I'm doing is trying to get as fucked up as possible so that I can then try and pick up. And I'm like, well, I need to change something. Like I'm empty. And I had this breakdown. So that's when I started studying Tantra and started to learn about the Kundalini and seven chakras and circulate and sublimate. And, you know, I like I went heavy into that, but I wouldn't talk to anyone about it because I was too ashamed as a man to talk about sex and masturbation and porn and, you know, all those things having kinks and desires because men's sexuality is is shamed so much in our society, right? Like we're dirty, filthy animals. We're pigs. It's all we think about. It's blah, blah, blah. It's this, it's that. Um, like the porn industry makes $100 billion a year, right? Like that's how much the porn industry makes. Human trafficking is $150 billion a year and it's predominantly sex slavery. And what's even more than that still is prostitution is at $180 billion a year. Wow. Now that's what's accounted for there's obviously a shit ton of all those things that's probably not accounted for but that's almost half a trillion dollars a year spent predominantly on men get trying to get some sense of satisfaction or sexual uh liberation from their sexual desires that's more money than jeff bezos and elon musk put together right two richest men in the world every year so to tell me that it's not a fucking big problem is ridiculous it's it's fucking like think about how much energy not just money money sure but think about how much energy would be freed up on our planet if men weren't trying to get love through sexual gratification in these ways think about how much trauma would not happen on the planet with sexual assault and aggression and rape and fucking you know disempowered in relationships like all this shit it's it's massive and so you know my journey into my own like me studying my own sexual desires and kinks and quirks and where women have power over me because i fucking adore them and they're beautiful and i want their love because it makes me feel good as a man me exploring all that going deep into mystery school trainings tantra shamanism sexuality like you know i just went all in i explored open relating polyamory to like okay what about my jealousy like i'm a super insecure dude like he's better looking he's got a bigger dick what he has better sex than me you know like all that stuff Mm-hmm. So I explored open relating to be like, okay, what happens if I face all my insecurities around, you know, the biggest thing of me not being man enough is another man taking, quotations, taking my woman, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I know she's not my woman and blah, 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 but it's like, that's the whole, that's the, the thoughts, the paradigm. So I joined all that, obviously faced a shit ton of fucking trauma, a shit ton of rejection, a shit ton of abandonment, you know, all those things. And you know, I spoke about it publicly on my social media feeds as I went through the process and it just went viral. Like it just went spastic. Like people started following me. Like the moment I talked about erectile dysfunction and porn addiction and how they're linked, dudes would just message me out of the blue like, dude, I have the same thing. And I'm like, really? Holy shit. And I realized it's super normal, which is bad. It shouldn't be normal. It's not natural, but it's very normal. And normal is this context that means it's accepted. And that's not a good thing all the time. So, yeah, I just kept talking about it. I, you know, and, and, and it just became, I realized how much of an issue it was. And, you know, I do believe there is a vast majority of people that just kind of go through the motions and they settle and they compromise. And, you know, 
that all comes from insecurity of self-love. So what I realized, you know, I, I run a bunch of mentorships for men. Sexuality might be the thing or, you know, or love or self-love or whatever. What's beneath that is a whole bunch of emotional processing that needs to happen. What's yeah. beneath a whole bunch of emotional processing that needs to happen is a whole bunch of identity, who I think I am and who I think I'm not. Yeah. And that was my journey, right? I went into sex, then I realized there was emotions, and then I realized it was an identity thing, and then everything changed and broke. And, you know, there was a couple of years of I don't know who the fuck I am, and then there was a rebuilding of, okay, well, if I don't know who I am, I get to be whoever I want. What do I want? So that was kind of the process in, I get to some extent. And yeah, I just, I find like external validation, like relationships, we are all seeking love. Like all of us want love. There's a beautiful quote. I can't remember who wrote it or where I read it, but it's like, everything that we do is either an act of love, meaning I'm full of love and I'm acting from love, or it's a call for more love. It's me trying to get love in some way. I'm either full of love giving it, or I'm empty and I'm trying to get it. And when you start to view the world like that, you you no longer judge people for their good or bad behavior. You're just realizing that, oh, this person's not full of love. They're trying to get love in this moment. And it's like, oh, well, I can give them love. And the moment you give them love, bang, it's like whatever the charge was dissolves predominantly, you know? Yes. I call that phrase, I call it the empathy shield, mm-hmm. um, where I say the first thing that I want to happen when you feel someone... Uh, spike up or, or put up their defenses, or you you feel some sort of negative energy between someone. The first thing I want you to think about is what is it that their life experiences beyond what's happening right now? Right. And so for a couple of my male clients in particular, who have worked through some, some confrontation issues or just like tough trigger points where they, they quickly go into red. I'm like, the second that you get to that place with this person you're interacting with, I want you to picture them as a child immediately. I immediately picture them as a, as a hurt child because there's, it's, there's this powerful draw towards love. And I completely agree with you. I think each and every single one of us on this planet craves it and wants it and is motivated by it. And, and it, that is the basis. I think of what we all are working through and leading through. And I love that you stepped out into the world and started talking about all of this you know, as a therapist, it's, I talk about sex every single day with my clients. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's literally the core piece of whether it's masturbation with themselves, whether it's, you know, exploring the fantasies in their mind that they're struggling with, whether it's their actual sexual relationship with their partner, what they're seeking. And they're so afraid to talk about it with anybody else. They're so afraid to, to name it. And you're right. uh, Many of my male clients are afraid to even desire it because of the stigma that comes with that. So it's about redefining really the ability to be a caring, kind, compassionate, loving man, and also crave and want passionate, hot sex, like, and, and be able to have those held in, in the same hand. And so I love, I love what you're doing. And I think that you're clearly onto something because people are following you. You are continuing to show up and I think give incredible content on your platform. And if you lived anywhere in the vicinity of where I am, I would literally send clients to every single time I could to be in your physical presence. Um, I mean, I have clients actually in Australia, so um, I don't know if they're near you, but I think there's all of these pieces that it's really beautiful to watch as, Mm. as a woman who does a lot of work with women. Mm. I love seeing this happen 
for men mm-hmm. because I don't think that we're giving men the attention that they need um, as a whole in terms mm-hmm. of mental health awareness and, and especially uh, recovery of their identity in themselves. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you doing the work and I appreciate you showing up and being the person mm-hmm. that is doing the work in your own life. Thank you. So tell me, what has it been like to define for yourself to be? So, well, actually, let me ask you this question first. Number one, are you currently dating? Are you actually looking for a partner right now in this moment? Yes. Okay. What has it been like to date as this new person, as this person who knows what they want? What has that process been like for you? My listeners has, have heard me <laughs> over the last <laughs> couple months talk about this and really what it looks like to know what you want yeah. and end date in the world. Well, I think there's, there's two pieces, right? Because mm-hmm. you first, before you know what you want, you must know who you are. Mm-hmm. And so when you know who you are, you can then be clearer on what you know what you want. That being said, relationships are work. You know, like I really, I, I'm sick of listening to people and people you know you can get triggered by this maybe but i'm sick of listening to people like i want the unicorn man that does this and this and this and he has this attribute and he does this and you know there's a fucking giant list of all these things that they want from these men right which is awesome and i fucking fully respect that on a level but i'm sick of hearing it yeah and then maybe meeting women that have these giant fucking lists and going i'm sorry to be really blunt but you don't deserve a man like that yet you're not worthy of a man like that. And vice versa for men that say, you know, I just want a woman that does this and this. And it's just like, you don't fucking deserve a woman that's devoted to you that way because you don't, you don't vibrate an energy. Like you want a queen, you're not a king, right? Like you, you're fucking needy. You're this, you're not a good provider. You know, you're still stuck in your childhood wounds. It's like, we want the fucking perfect partner. And most of the time we want the perfect partner because we want them to make us feel better about ourselves. Yes. And so it's been really fucking hard, to be honest, because, look, I've studied at ancient mystery schools. I've studied at ancient yoga schools. I've trekked across countries. I have, you know, studied in Buddhist monasteries. I've I've done, I don't like to, you know, be like, oh, I'm more evolved. It's not about evolution, but I've experienced things that a vast majority of our population would never even go to. And, you know, people go, oh, I tried open relating once and it wasn't really for me. It was like, no, no, you didn't actually try open relating. You just didn't commit to someone and you saw multiple people at the same time and you were kind of honest about it. And then someone said they were fucking someone else and you got triggered and you left it. Like that's not open relating. You just didn't define your relationship and an emotion came up and that was it. And I get it. Like it's, it's hard to face that shit, but it's like when you've journeyed open relating with multiple people at the same time and you've sat in circle and processed and you know you've sat at home while the person that you love is going on a date with another person and it's like and then they come home and you process it and you work through the challenges and then you you know you seek other external support from other people who've done open relating and you know you're in communities that are doing it's like when you've done that for months and months and months and months that's a very you, you learn and you experience a whole different range of emotions and when you're being facilitated, not only by yourself, but by the other people that have gone through it, it's just like, you know more about yourself and the process of emotional challenge than the vast majority. And so one, it's awesome because I am now like, like there's really not a lot that's going to fuck with me in a relationship, right? Like it, it, there's really not much. Um, that being said, 
trying to meet someone who has a, a similar level, like I'm not saying they've got to be perfect, but even just a similar level of awareness of their own emotional patterns and like how to deal with it. And if I want to share something about how I'm feeling, they don't take it as blame or it's their fault. Like that's the, been the biggest thing of like, you know, women say they want men that communicate. I can communicate really well. Yes. But the moment I start to, it's like, oh, but that's not what I meant. I don't, I don't want you to feel like that or blah, blah. I'm like, please let me finish. Like, you know, it's like they, they can't even hold space to let me finish sharing what I'm sharing. And it's like, I'm just telling you my experience of this situation and how I would like to move forward. And because intimacy is starved in our in our society and communication is something that we all need to be improved on, the moment we get something that doesn't, we don't have a point of reference for, like, shit, I've never, I don't have a point of reference for a woman that does all these things. I've never experienced that or I've never, I don't have a point of reference for a man that can communicate this well and do this thing and blah, blah, blah. We freak out, right? Mm-hmm. All of our unworthiness comes up. And so it, it's been really hard um, because especially if, you know, they stalk me on social media before we date or as we date, because all of a sudden they, they don't see Tyron anymore. They see this projection of this man that has done all this work that can do all these things. And all of a sudden it doesn't become, it, you know, the whole dating process dissolves because it's no longer. So like, what's your favorite color? What do you do this? how do you do that? You know, it's just like, so tell me about your job. Oh my God, it's really fascinating. And then all of a sudden it's like, we, we, we skip this whole, like getting to know each other on a personal level. Yes. And it's, it sucks to be honest. It fucking sucks. I'm right there with you. I, I, all, all things that you just said, and you didn't trigger me. I, I say the same thing. Um, if you want a king, become a queen, ladies. And, and I mean it because I think we, we all desire big things in relationship. We all desire, we, we know what we want, but to implement it is very, is very different. And to hold space for yourself to actually hold the standards and the expectations of what you want in someone for yourself is crucial. And, and you're right. Like the dating pool of that level of persona is smaller. It's not that it doesn't exist. It's not that people aren't headed towards that doing their work. It's yeah. just smaller. And it's so challenging. I've, I've said this many times to my friends, to my mentors, to my, my coaches. I'm a therapist. I do this for a living. I see people. I hold space. I, I hold power well. I've done my work for years and, de- and years in, in ways that would scare the shit of many people. And I, I'm not willing to compromise the kind of life and relationship and partner I want, even if that means I don't find them for years. And it's scary and really hard. Now I'm, I'm a single mom. So I I already have two kiddos, which is also challenging because I think um, that's a whole nother layer and another component. Mm -hmm. And that's not always what men who have done their work want really. And so there's this piece of, I think, uh, challenging yourself in the process. Each time you reach that lonely Saturday night or you have that moment on a, for me, it's the Sunday scaries is what I call them. It's like a Sunday afternoon. It's beautiful out. I just want to, you know, I want someone sitting next to me on the porch watching the kids play, to be honest, Mm -hmm. and sharing about our day. Just that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm by myself on the porch, Mm -hmm. sometimes watching my kids, sometimes not. I can feel the ache 
Mm. Right. And it's in those moments where I want to like, I want to go download those apps or I want to go search. And it's instead of doing that, it's about actually holding space for myself to grieve and be sad and to expand and to connect because that's not the moment I'm going to find someone when I'm coming from that place. And I think that's really hard is, is many of us act in that moment looking for someone instead of recognizing that's a moment for ourselves to come back home. And in the moments we are actually showing up and shining and, and magnetizing into the world, that is when these people start to come towards us. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And, and, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I believe in whatever you feed grows. Right. And I was talking to my clients last night about it. You know, we're talking about mental health. It's a week of mental health in, in my course. And, you know, if I get in the car and I'm driving to the gym, but I don't really feel motivated to go to the gym. Now, if I put on my gym playlist, by the time I get to the gym, I'm jacked up, ready to train. Yeah. But if I'm like, oh, I'm not going to play that right now because, you know, I don't really feel like it. And I put on one of my more soft melodic playlists. By the time I get to the gym, I'm even less ready to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you're completely correct, you know, like in the sense of don't go looking for love when you don't feel full of love. But at the same time, it's like, what do you have to do in order to fill your own cup in that moment? And so it doesn't, for me, it's not always like, I've got to go in and love all these broken parts. It's like, well, yeah, that that happens, absolutely. But whatever you feed grows. And if you constantly tell yourself that you're empty or that you're not full, then you're reinforcing that. So it's like, well, cool. What can I do to go and fill my cup? You know, and so I'm a, I'm a firm believer of you're not going to meet anyone sitting at home on the porch if that's, you know, like, for, just to use your analogy, it's like you're not going to meet anyone to to live with you on your porch if you only ever stay on your porch. I'm not saying you do that. I'm just using it as like, yeah. well, cool. I feel a little bit lonely. What if I go out and actually just I'm not I'm not even expecting to meet someone, but I'm like I just want to be around people mm-hmm. because for me that ups my vibe. You know, like if I if I'm sitting on my couch and it's a Sunday or a Friday or whatever, I'm like I'm just going to go walk. Like I live right near the beach. I'm just going to go walk. And the moment I'm around other people and I see things. I will know the truth of how I feel because if I see people holding hands, mm. I'll either be like, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, okay, beautiful. Or I'll see people holding hands and go, fuck, I really want that. Fuck. And like, and then if I start to go down, say, so, okay, cool. Now, now I need to go look at the part that is really longing and hurting. But more often than not, I'm like trying to re like create the environment that keeps me full rather than feed the feeling of not being full. And so I think, and then that's different for everyone. Like there's no right or wrong there, but it's like, I know, like if for me, just to use your analogy, if every Sunday I feel like that, I'm probably going to change what I do on Sundays because I don't want to keep that loop alive. You know, it's like, Hey kids, let, let's go to the beach or Hey kids, like, you know, and then I'm going to keep the weekend that I don't have the kids. It would be like, maybe I do want to, you know, and it's not every week. Maybe some weeks I do just want to fucking spend Sunday at home. Cool. Yes. But I would just check, like, for me, it's a, how do I fill my cup? And if I want to meet someone, I've got to put myself out in the world where I can possibly meet. You've got to be open to the the experience. And yes. that's something that's really come up for me in the last probably six months of like moving to the Gold Coast, people everywhere. And it's like, okay, well, if I want a partner, sitting on my couch wishing I had a partner is not going to get me a partner. Right? I've got to go, go into like speed datings and dating nights and singles events and even just not single events. And it's like, I don't expect to meet my partner, but I'm trying to run the vibration of I'm open and ready to receive. Yes. I love that. And and mm. it's, you, you spoke really, well, you speak really well in general. Um, I'm, it's funny as a, I'm used to being the one that speaks in the way that you are. And I'm almost like, 
I'm more deeply in my feminine now than I think I've ever been on a podcast episode, which I'm really enjoying, uh, just receiving. <laughs> so, so I have to find my words. I'm like, I just, I'm just going to listen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's quite lovely, but I think that you're speaking to this really beautiful moment. And I, I agree. There's this moment where I say, go inward. Mm. And then you're saying, and then what? Yeah. And that's powerful. That's the action. That's, yeah. That is the masculine, right? Where yeah. where I think women in particular, but men can do this too, but women in particular can really deep dive and stay mm. in that mm. zone, especially with loneliness. And I think men can too. Absolutely. But, uh, and it, I actually, to speak to that moment, what I love about the Sunday Scaries, and this, maybe this is just my fucked up brain and why I'm, I'm all about this deep shit, but I kind of like being triggered in the sense that if I'm feeling something that deep, it, the second I go in is the moment that I get hit with major gratitude. Like that's mm. where I, fe- that's where I feel real appreciation mm. for mm-hmm. the present moment because mm-hmm. yeah, all, all I want all those things. I desire those things. I don't want to be alone forever. You know, that's, but yeah. this moment in time, the reason why I want to share with a partner is because it's so fucking beautiful. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's just this, I, I, and usually that actually accesses deep joy for me. I allow mm-hmm. myself to grieve to then flip the coin and feel the joy. Well, you can't feel grief if you don't, if you haven't felt love, right? Yeah. Like that's the, 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 like grief is the feeling of loss. So when you yeah. grieve someone that's died, it's because you love them that you grieve them. You don't grieve people you don't know because you don't have, typically speaking, um, because you have never loved them. Now you can love them as a human, like when we see tragic shit on the television or in movies. You can because that you ha- you are creating an emotional bond. But yeah, so absolutely, like the grief is the pathway to love, mm-hmm. and but it's like okay, so now you've gone through the grief, you're feeling joy and gratitude, you open your heart, you have these blissful moments, you you find yourself love, and it's like, and then it's like cool. Now how do I choose to as- assimilate this situation that I'm in? And so you know, like for me, um, uh. We were, we were talking about a little bit and I'll just bring it up because it feels like a good moment. Yes. We're talking about how to attract your dream partner kind of, you know, or what's your partner like or how do you do this? And it's like, well, you know, the, the, the traditional saying is write down a list of all the attributes you want and then go and be that. And I'm like, that's fucking terrible advice <laughs> because I don't want my partner to be exactly the same as me, right? Like yeah. I, you obviously you need similarities. I get that. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I want to attract a woman. I should not be a woman in that case. I need to be a man, right? True. Polarity attracts. Yeah. And so write down the attributes and the qualities, but also write down the type of relationship, how much time alone you want to have, you know, like what type of family they come from. Get really, really clear. Write down the qualities of this queen or king that you really want, like everything. And then write down a list of, if you wrote down a queen, I'll just go for me. I write down all the qualities of a queen. Okay, what type of man would that woman be attracted to? Mm-hmm. What are all the qualities and attributes that that woman yes. would want in a partner? And write it down. Write down like, you're okay, so if I wanted to be soft and compassionate and surrendered, well, then the, the, the man, the king or the, the, you know, whatever, he needs to be, you know, he also needs to be soft and compassionate, but he also needs to be able to be firm. You know, he needs to be able to hold space. He needs to be the good provider. He needs to blah, blah, blah. So you write down like, you know, the qualities that you want in a woman and then the qualities you want that, that the woman would be attracted to in a man and vice versa. If it was a woman, you write down the qualities in a man and then what type of woman would 
he be attracted to? Because that's going to also be directly correlated to the type of relationship you want to have. So you write down the type of relationship, the qualities, the attributes, then you write down the opposite for the opposite sex. And then you go, okay, now where am I Mm -hmm. in relation to the type of person that would be attracted to? And then you go work on all the shit that that you're not adequate in. Yes. It's like, if you want the dream partner with all the things, cool. And what this does is it puts you in environments. It puts you in situations where your opposite will exist. Yes. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. I'm sorry, if you go to the same club every Saturday night and expect to meet a different partner, you're you're a lunatic, right? If you go to the same library every day, like, sure, it happens in the romantic movies. A stranger comes in and, oh, my God, and it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's like, that's one in a fucking trillion chance. Yeah. Work on the things that would make you the person that could attract your dream partner. And by doing that, you will automatically put yourself in positions, situations, environments where your opposite exists. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you'll notice that the quality and the caliber of the people that are attracted to you is increasing. And all of a sudden you'll be like, shit, I don't. Now I've got too many to choose from, or now I don't know. And then again, it's deeper respect, deeper reflection on, okay, well now, now I, what do I want now? You know, and go through the process again. Mm, discernment at that mm. at that point is such a mm. powerful skill to learn. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe in the art of dating. Like you actually have to date. Oh, not so much. <laughs> yeah. And I find, and I was definitely one of them. I'll, I'll, I'll fully own this. I would like brush up against somebody and then picture our life together. Right. Like, <laughs> like, come on, Colleen. Um, but I, the art of dating is really beautiful and having new and different boundaries than I've, I've ever had before. I just enjoy the process. It's so different. It's so new. It's, and it's yeah. really, it, you become discerning. You become aware of what you do. Yeah. I'd add and I don't think, you shouldn't have rules in the dating, but you should have values and guidelines. You know, it's yeah. like, no, I don't, I don't have sex with anyone after three until three dates. It's like, well, you just don't know, right? Like, sure, maybe you have a no no sex on the first date rule. Okay, fine, that's fine. But have values, right? Like, I was chatting, I was on a date the other day, and she one of her values was connection. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool. So once you feel that, what's the connection feel like in your body? Like, because once you uh, once you assign or once you realize, okay that's the feeling of connection that I need in order to have a sexual physical connection. I I need an an emotional connection before. Cool. That can happen on date one, date two, date seven. But it's like, once you have the value and the understanding of what you need to feel in your body in order to progress to the next thing, that's when you feel guilt-free rather than being like, I really, really want to do this thing. And it's like, but you can't because you've got some like seven date rule or whatever, you know, and it's like, all of a sudden you're just creating tension between you and the person that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And so for me, it's like have really strong values, have yeah. really strong clarity on what they mean for you and what they look like and carry them into the date um, as opposed to like strict regimented rules, especially for, for single mums because, you know, I've dated single mums and I'm, I'm all for single mums. I want my own kids too, yeah. but I respect them and I, you know, have no issues dating them. Um, and it would be really hard to go at what point do you introduce your children? Right. And I've had some single mum clients and they go six months and I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Like why six months? Well, because I need to make sure this and that I'm like, well, what happens if you meet and then you see each other every day for like three weeks because it's just so intense yeah. and you know, you, 
now you've still got five months and one week to go. Now, if the love is that intense and you're feeling something, now I'm not saying you're going to get married and have babies and everything, but it's like if that's that intense, like if you do that every time and you meet them, the kids and the kids go no, and then all of a sudden you've just wasted six months of date. You know what I mean? It's like there you go, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I'm not saying do it in week one. I'm just saying have values of like okay, there's a certain level of intimacy and connection I want to create before I introduce my yes. partners, my dating potentials to my children and be honest with your children about it like i'm dating i want you know and i want them to be a good fit for us as a family and so you know i'm obviously going to date them for a little while and then i want to you know it doesn't mean they're going to be your dad and it doesn't mean this but it's like i'm you know and we that this is all about identity and like i don't want to mess up my children it's like you're messing them up by hiding them from life and and then not letting them make decisions for themselves and trying to control the environment like your job as a parent, this is my opinion, and I'm not a parent, but I am a child. Give but it. I am a child of parents. <laughs> yeah. Your job as a parent is not to protect your children forever. It is protect them until they are at an age where now you need to teach them how to protect themselves and how to handle anything that comes up in life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, you're saying we're the same age and with this external validation, it's like that's what happens when you protect your kids too much. You don't teach them to manage their own emotions, to process their own thoughts and feelings and do things that are in alignment with them. And then you tell them off when they do that because it doesn't fit your paradigm of how you want them to act. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, that's another segue into a different topic, but. We could um, literally talk for 18 hours, I think. Probably, probably. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking how fascinating it would to be to be the woman on that date you just described because Mm. how rare it is that I see men in my world of dating. I ask deep probing questions like that. What does connection really mean to you? What do you feel that in your body? I'm I'm giggling over here because I'm like, I think I actually asked that question on a date a couple weeks ago. How, what does connection actually feel like in your body? And it's gotta be fascinating to be on the other side of this because you deepen everything that you're talking about. You're you're expanding not only your own knowledge of self, but also in relationship, mm-hmm. wanting to be deeply seen, wanting to be deeply known, wanting to be deeply heard is such a beautiful piece of relationship. And I see you demonstrating that just in, just in the questions that you're asking, which is really beautiful. But also I'm sure as you've experienced, hard for people to handle sometimes. And And that's where I think that discerning, I don't want to say weeding them out, but I think that's, it's a huge test for me. But the first couple of dates, I've always had people ask me, well, when do you, you know, when do you ask the hard questions? I'm like, immediately. Mm. But the questions I'm asking are all hard because they're meaningful. They're, they're deep. They're authentic. They're not like interrogative. You know, I'm not, I'm not coming from a place of judgment, but I am coming from a place of, I have, I have precious time. My my greatest resource is my time and energy, and I'm going to be spending my time and energy with you this evening, this morning, whatever it is. So I'm going to make sure that I am I'm all in on this experience, and I'm going to ask the questions that are very real for me. And so I love hearing you speak in that way because I don't often see that uh, in men, and I think that it's important that we all do this in relationship, especially as you're dating and especially as you're dating in your thirties, right? It's not that we can't do this in our twenties, but it's a different world as you know yourself better. And there's no reason to shy away from it. I, 
picture my kids is literally on my dating profile. If I meet somebody out and about, they know I'm a mom within the first sentence or two. It's not something I'm hiding or I'm afraid of. Um, they know what I desire and what I want and what I'm craving pretty quickly just to respect myself, my time and their time. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're doing that. And I think it's really, I'll, I'm actually really excited to just see what this journey is like for you. I can only imagine who she's going to be when you find her. It's going to blow us all away. We're all secretly going to be like, damn it. <laughs> I should have moved to Australia. <laughs> I, I, I do get, I have a very large female following and I do get quite a lot of um, personalized inboxes sometimes. So, yeah. I'm sure you do yeah. as I'm searching for homes on the Gold Coast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're pretty rare at the moment. It's gone, up, it's gone up significantly. Oh, my goodness. I was actually looking at doing a retreat there. So I was I was looking at Airbnbs for a bit. But, okay, so... In in the effort of time, I I want to ask one last question, and then I am going to mm-hmm. let our viewers go. But if you were to give one piece of advice for that person who is in what I call the in-between right now, mm-hmm. this space mm-hmm. in between having done your work and getting the reward, the results mm-hmm. of said mm-hmm. work. What would be your one piece of advice for that person in that space? The ability to not take things personally and self-reflect every day through journaling or, um, you know, like for me, I make video content more so than than journaling these days. But when I started, like don't take anything personally and journal every day and that will give you more insight. You will become more aware um, of yourself and everyone else just by doing those simple two things. Like it's, it's, Sure, there's embodiment practices, there's fucking NLP, there's tapping, there's shamanic this, there's somatic sexuality that, there's self-pleasure, there's tantra, there's breath work, there's whatever. Don't take things personally. Journal every day. You will out so like you will outgrow every other person who's doing this deep shit because you have the ability to be comfortable with yourself and with your thoughts. Mm. It's that simple. Like mm. yeah, simplicity is key. I agree with you. I agree. Well, I hope this is the first of many conversations and I appreciate you being on my podcast today. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Colleen. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single second that you chose to set aside for you and the impact that you're going to have on the world today to be inspired, to be seen And to hold space starts with the very actions we take with ourselves. Look at the show notes for more information. Like and subscribe and share with friends if you feel inspired to. And as always, let the rest burn. Mm -hmm.